The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwired.org.
Good morning, church. Good to see everybody here. It's, isn't it a beautiful day? I mean, this morning, I had to get up real early this morning and go work a few cattle, and it's kind of just a little crisp in the air, but the sun was shining. There was no, what a beautiful, gorgeous morning it was, and, and, and the day continues on as, it, as it's warming up. 
You know, it, it, I always enjoy doing these things, and, and I get to come up here, and, I, you know, sometimes I guess I'm kind of like the warm-up band, you know, because over here is the real rock star, and I promise you the message he's going to bring you in a little bit is just phenomenal. So get ready. It's, it's going to be great. But before we get there, I've got a few stories. You know, I always got a story or two to, to visit with you about, and, and uh, you know, for those of you that know me and know where I've come from and what I do, and, and you know, I've been involved in the livestock showing world. I grew up in it. I've been involved with families that have been in it. My kids grew up in it. It's something I'm still involved with and I'm very passionate about and I probably always will be until the day I die. I think it's a worthwhile program. But, you know, go back with me a few years. I mean, we're going to go back to whenever I was like 18, 19 years old, somewhere in this this time frame. And at that time, I was kind of winding down. My showing career, I was getting about to, about to get too old. And, you know, we had a family that we had kind of started helping at the time. And uh, it came time we were going to a show. And I believe we were headed to Silver City or something. And, and uh, this young girl, that she got a KF or two, and a uh, little blonde-headed girl named LaDawn. And we loaded her up and uh, loaded her KF up because I believe it was Mother's Day weekend and her parents owned a flower shop in town at the time. And so it was kind of, you know, they couldn't go. We said, that's fine. We'll take LaDawn in her KF and we'll go. So, okay, think back with me. We're talking, we're getting back in the 80s here, okay? So if you think of the pickup that we're in, if you had a pickup that had bucket seats in it in those days, wow, that was amazing. You know, no, not only did we not have bucket seats, we didn't have any, very many four-door pickups either, did we? Most of them were single cab with, what, one bench seat across there, okay? So imagine this. So we're, we're cruising down the road, and I'm driving, and, and little Don's sitting beside me, and, and my mother's over on the far side, I believe. And we're cruising, and we're having a blast. I mean, we got the radio cranked up. We're singing. We're, just, I mean, having the time of our lives. And all of a sudden, LaDawn elbows me in the ribs. She says, you need to stop. And I said, stop, what, something wrong? She said, no, you need to stop singing. And I said, why? She said, because you're just really not very good at it. That's why. You know, kids will say the dangest things, won't they? You know, and a lot of times whenever they say it, it's something that's usually very, very short. It's very crisp. And a lot of times very blunt. And maybe it's something that we already know, but it's something we need to be told. And a lot of adults have a hard time telling us that. But a kid doesn't have a problem at all, do they? They'll point blank tell us. You know, and I'm going to talk a little bit about another family that, that we deal with and work with right now, and they're very close and dear to us, and, and uh, we, we, we work with them with the cattle. Really, in the show world, as they came into it, they were more sheep people, okay? They kind of worked in the sheep world. But the girl wanted to show, whenever she got old enough, three or four years ago, she wanted to show a steer. So mom calls me and says, hey, you know, here's, here's where we're at. And I said, okay, come see me. So they did. We got her a steer first three or four years. Well, she had a little brother. Little brother's name is Grady. And Grady's just hanging in the wings over here the whole time. Well, guess what? Grady turned nine years old this year. So guess what? It's Grady's turn. Guess what? Grady is fired up over this. He can't wait. He's excited. But now mom tells him, okay, now, Grady... Now, you got to realize, it's your first year. you kind of got to pay some dues, okay? We're probably not going to go buy you the best, greatest calf in the world your first year. We're going to kind of get you maybe a little cheaper one, not quite as good one. Kind of get along at county fair type of deal, 
Okay? And he was good with that. He said, yeah, as long as I get to show a calf. As long as I get to show a steer. So they come and they buy a couple of calves. And, and that's kind of what we got for, for Grady. And Grady takes his calf home and, and they get him halter broke. And, and, I mean, he's just hugging on him and loving on him. Mom's sending me pictures all the time. I mean, and he names the calf Jimmy. And here we got Grady and Jimmy. Okay? Just, I mean, inseparable. And it comes along last December, and uh, that's the first show. It's kind of the show season in New Mexico, and we host it right out here in Portales. Been going for over 30 years, but they, they're there, and that morning I, I went by, and I said, Hey, Grady, what do you think today? How's it going to go today? He said, I really don't care as long as I don't stand last. That was his only goal for the day. He just did not want to stand dead last. And I said, okay, Grady, let's see how it comes out today. Well, it came out real good. He actually won his class. Okay, did really good. Grady and Jimmy had a great day. Good experience and roll on. Well, as we rolled into the month of January, um, Jimmy, he developed a issue that we kind of get in, in cattle sometimes. And Jimmy started to bloat. Okay. And for those of you who don't understand what that is, in the animal animal world, it's where they start to retain gas, and they just basically blow up until and they can't release it, they can't belch it or the other way, and, and uh, you know, it builds up so much that it becomes toxic, and, and they get to where they can't breathe, and they die if there's not someone there to, you know, help them really get, get it down. So Jimmy started bloating, and he turned into a chronic bloater. It was every day. Every day, every day. Mom's calling me all the time. We're talking to this vet, getting this medicine, trying that medicine, switching this feed, doing this old remedy, this old wise tale. We're trying everything in the world. Nothing's really working on Jimmy. I mean, they're staying on top of him, and they're, they're keeping him alive. But the whole time, Jimmy's really not converting. He's not doing as well. He's not eating as well as he should. You know, just he doesn't feel good, you know. So as we roll along through this, we're just we're starting to get the end of the rope. We're like, I don't know what we're going to do. And then mom calls me one day. And she says, i got to tell you this. I said, what's that? She said, um, we were walking to the barn this morning. And uh, Grady told me, he said, uh, Mom, you know, I've been praying a lot about Jimmy to God. And she said, yeah, I know. I've noticed that you've been praying a lot. He said, you know what, Mom? God spoke to me this morning. And she looked down at him. She said, really? What did God say to you? He told me, be patient. And she told me, he said, I didn't have a word. I was speechless. Just like whenever she told me the story, I was speechless too. I was like, uh, well, uh, I didn't know what to say. For God sat there and ministered. To a young boy. Ministered to a mom. Ministered to me. And I hope he's ministering to you at the moment. For how simple of a phrase and a quote could that be? Be patient. That God sit there and told this young man. 
For, you know, we get so wrapped up in this world, we get fired up and we get to going and we get busy and we got work over here and we got to get the kids over there and we got to make this meal and we got to take care of this and we got our parents over there and we need to go help and do this and that. You know, the three-headed monster keeps showing up and, and we keep kind of to serve that three-headed monster. But we can't. We slow down. We're like, oh, I can't slow down. I got to go over here. Now now there's this going on. And that three-headed monster shows up again. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute, Mike. What, is, what do you mean three-headed monster? What are you talking about? Well, there's so many times in our lives we get busy trying to serve three people. Me, myself, and I. And I want what I want when I want it. And that word patience seems to disappear, doesn't it? And ever so often God needs to grab hold of us and say, pull the reins back. Slow down. Pump the brakes a little. That we need to be patient. Now, you know, you might wonder, well, how's Grady and Jimmy doing? And, and <laughs> I tell you this, it was amazing that after, after the, this prayer about a week later, all of a sudden Jimmy quit bloating. Jimmy was doing good. About a month rocked along, didn't blow one single time. And then I got a call here about a week or two ago. And Jimmy didn't make it through the night. And Grady's heartbroken, and he doesn't understand. God told me to be patient. But you know what? There's a slide that comes up here quite often ran- randomly at this, at this church, and I think they're going to stick it up there right now. And every time this one comes up, it grounds me. It humbles me. Because we get so wrapped up in our one or two things that we think God should be working on. I mean, he might be over there working on 7,542. But we think he should be on number one or number two on our list. And that's what i got to say to Grady if he's watching today. God told you to be patient. He might not have been talking about Jimmy. But he told you to be patient and wait on him. For if we look at our lives and we look at how we do things... If we will but just continue to pray, continue to praise, repent whenever we stumble, God is going to do amazing, glorious things with you and in your life. If we will just be patient. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning as always. We praise you and thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice you made. As we come and we take these elements that we remember. We remember what you did for us, Father. Father, as we, uh, I'm sorry. I, I can say I'm sorry for the times that I get to feed in the three-headed beast. That I'm not serving you, that I'm trying to serve myself. I'm sorry, Father. Father, I ask that you give me knowledge. You give everyone here knowledge. You give us wisdom as we go forth and we do your work. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. People rarely read warning labels. They're on everything. Uh, If you've ever seen the commercials on TV that have the latest wonder drug for whatever you're dealing with, it's a minute-long commercial, and 45 seconds of it is all of the things that will kill you on it. You know, don't do this, 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 this. How about this one? On your hair dryer. Now, let's go back to those a little bit. want to look at them one at a time. How many of you really have this as a problem? 
I'm, I'm scared that if this is the, the situation that your hair dryer is running while you're, you're sleeping. Or about, how about this one with your baby stroller? Uh, maybe you've got a kid, and I get moms are tired, all right, but it seems like the screaming child coming from the folded up stro- stroller would remind you not to do that. Or what about this warning on the Chipotle truck? They had to put this on there because they were afraid too many people would mug them. Or how about the at-home dental kit that includes the Makita drill? This is not meant to be used in that realm. Uh, And I'm just like everybody else. I like a clean, pressed shirt, okay? I, I like my shirts pressed. But it seems like I would know enough to not iron them while I'm wearing them. I, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's just me. The Center for American Safety sponsors this contest every year. It actually started at Michigan State University in the 90s, uh, and their business department as a discussion of tort law, what are some of the best warning labels all over. The winners the first couple of years, number one was a package of fishing hooks that said harmful if swallowed and another one on a snowblower that said not for use on roof which means somebody tried that and and they have to put that label on there because the lawyers tell them to hey get it i get it safety is important but what happens what happens when life goes just completely wrong We're in this series, Jesus Didn't Say That. And we started this year talking about the things that that God's Word is something we can count on. And then we looked at some of the toughest teachings of Jesus. And And for a few weeks we looked at the tabernacle in the Old Testament. And now we're looking at some things that Jesus didn't say. And one of the things He never said is it's all going to work out for you. Now... I think somewhere down the line, we've been sold a line that says if you go to church, it fixes all your problems. Now, most of you are going to be sitting there saying, no way, Don. We don't believe that. That's that's not what we've ever been told. But sometimes we think that by how we react when things don't go well. When things go wrong and we get really, really upset... And some people will even blame God. Now, most of you know Romans 8.28 where he says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are called according to his purpose. Listen to it from the message version. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Jesus never promised good times. He never promised money or comfort And he gave us a lot of warning signs and labels. I just wonder, are we listening? We're going to be in Mark chapter 4 and verse 35 through 41. It didn't print real big on the screen there. But if you'll join us, if you're online or on the radio, thanks for joining Central Christian Church in Portales. Mark chapter 4 is a story that you're very familiar with, Jesus calming the storm. I've... I think there are a lot of believers that profess, hey, I trust my God is bigger than the storm. But sometimes we miss that uh, demonstrating it part in our walk. We say it, but will we trust Him 
even when the storms are going on. I want you to pay really close attention to what Jesus said and did here. I'm in the New Living Translation in verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took the Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon after, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other, that even the wind and the waves obey him? Now, we've used this phrase here a lot. Context is king. What is going on around this story? It is quite possible that the day this story happened started for Jesus back in chapter 3 at about verse 20. Uh, in, In that section of Scripture... He cast demons out of a man, and they accused him of being the prince of demons. They started a confrontation with Jesus. Well, only a prince of demons could cast out demons. That may or may not have happened on that day, but at very worst, it starts at the beginning of chapter 4. And look at what is happening all through chapter 4. He's teaching. He's He's telling parables. He's showing his mastery over Scripture and what is going on. He's done this all day. It's evening time, and he's tired. He's physically worn out. You need to know there was a storm brewing before the storm that we hear about, which leads me to a question. How do you react? How do you process things when you're exhausted? I would be willing to bet most of us would answer something to the tune of, not really well. (laughs) Would that be fair to say? Yeah, we we can be a little grumpy. We can be a little short-tempered. We can be emotional. We, We may not get all of this because we need space and we need rest. Well, so does Jesus. So he pulls back. And he did this many times in Scripture where he pulls away. Now, he could have just stayed there and said, I'm going to go take a nap. But we all know how that would have played out. They would have kept talking to him, and probably he would have kept helping them. So he gets the guys. They're already in the boat, and he says, come on, let's go across the lake. They're up at the northwest corner of the lake. They're going to go across to the eastern side. And it's not willy-nilly. It's he needs a break. It even tells us that they went out on the water, and Mark, the Mark version tells us other boats followed him. But you need to understand there's an important backstory to the site of this story. The Sea of Galilee is this teardrop-shaped thing that's 13 miles long, seven and a half miles wide at its, at its widest point, but it has some, excuse me, unique features. Three unique features. One, it's 150 feet deep. It's not an ocean. It's just a lake. You can see across it in most places. Number two is it is 680 feet below sea level. And number three is off to the west is Mount Marin and some other mountains, hills, hill country that we would see. Now, 
you and I live in this land where we're up on a mesa and high winds come across here. We get wind all the time, right? That's exactly what's going to happen when wind comes up, a storm comes up, hits this mountain, and it's going to come swooping down, swooping down over the lake. And it happens. When we were there in Israel, one day we're there, it's like glass out there, smooth as can be. Three hours later, there's storms everywhere. And nothing was prepared. Nothing, you never saw it coming. It often happens without warning. Now, you and I, through American eyes, we want to look at this and say, why didn't they just go back? Or why did they go at all if there was a possibility of a storm? Well, we have a couple of things in our play. We have hindsight and we have GPS and the Weather Channel. So we, we have all those factors that they didn't have those things. And they didn't know the whole story. We, we get to see this. They didn't. They knew Jesus was special, but they didn't know it all. They didn't know what was going to happen, so they got in the boat. Let me ask you this. If you knew you were going to be in a car wreck on a certain day, would you drive that day? Good grief, no. <laughs> at 11.30 on Thursday, you're going, to hit it, you're going to run into a Buick. Guess where I'm not going to be at 11.30 on Thursday? I am not. I'm boarded up in my house, right? The National Institute for uh, Auto, Automobile Insurance says statistically you will be in an auto crash once every 17.9 years that's what the average is so three to four crashes over your lifetime side note if you haven't been in a wreck in 18 years stay away from me all right so uh but the point is there is no guarantee to sudden against sudden storms now you know that and i know that but some are convinced that Jesus said something like that. That, come to me all you who are weary and I'll make it all okay. It's actually not in the Bible. In fact, Matthew chapter 5 will tell us that he sends the rain on the just and the unjust. Everybody gets it. Everybody has to deal with storms. Everybody deals with struggles Faith is not some cosmic Santa Claus where there's this giant naughty list and a giant nice list, and we're trying to get on the nice list. It's not this big uh, what goes around comes around karma idea. Karma is not right. Karma is you get what you deserve. We live in a grace. We live in a world of grace where you get what you don't deserve. It's not even this... Uh, spiritual quid pro quo with God. Hey, God, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You know, I'll go to your church, I'll throw an extra 20 in the plate once in a while, you work out my problems and we'll, we'll work this together. That's not how it goes. The presence of God does not equal the absence of storms. But it's this next part. Now, I don't know if this is going to rattle you like it did me, but it just kind of jumped off the page. And I want you to notice this. The disciples got in the boat, and then the storm happened. I, it's, it's easy to say, well, they were out there, and then this storm comes up, and oh, they hollered at Jesus. No, they were in the boat. Jesus got in the boat. They went out there, and then the storm happened. That doesn't fit with our rainbows and puppy dogs kind of theology. Everything's going to be okay this guy, this is the guy that made this sea, and it's rebelling against him. 
You see, some people have a theology, a thinking about God that says, if things are going bad in my life, God must be distant from me or God must be mad at me. And some, well, then if things are going good in my life, then I must have done good things because God has given me good things. Neither one of those are correct. In fact, both of those are not only ungodly, they're anti-godly. They go against the Bible. The Bible will tell us quite the opposite. When things are hardest, when you don't think you can make it, when you have nothing left, that is when God is most present. And we need to have a good thinking about God. Friends, it might look like God isn't doing anything. That's wrong. Just like what Mike was saying earlier, he's doing 10,000 things behind the scene. You look at look in verse 38. The disciples were truly scared. They said, don't you care that we're about to die? They're, they're seriously feeling fear. And they can't see him doing anything. You perceive no action in your life. But what if... What if the action is upstream somewhere? What if he's doing something else that is not dealing with your situation right now? It it seems like God is silent when we long for any word at all. Can we trust that God knows what he's doing? Obviously we can't. Will we? That's the big kicker. So Jesus hears their cries, and he rebukes the storm. Yay! Do you realize he yelled at the storm? That's that's hilarious to me. He got up, he yelled at the storm, and it stopped. How many of us would like to yell at the wind? Well, we all do, actually. Most of us do. He yelled at it. It stopped, and it says there was a great calm. Oh, how we could love that happening again. (laughs) There is a lot of storms in our world. God, could you just, Jesus, could you run down there and do that again and just make everything calm? But what happens to our faith when the storm doesn't stop? Maybe you're in a storm right now. Maybe it's a job storm. Maybe you've got a conflict at work. You're not getting along. Maybe it's a, another coworker, or maybe your job's not paying off, paying you well. Or maybe, maybe you just need a job and you need a, a better. You know, and, it, and so you pray and you ask God, but it's still not working out. Maybe it's a marriage storm, a relationship storm that you you keep praying and you keep talking and you go to counselors and and you read the books and you go to XO conference and you do all the things and it'll get better for a few days. And then it just goes right back to what it was. Maybe it's your health or somebody close to you. You've cried out to God, but your health or their health doesn't seem to show any improvement. What happens to our faith? When there is still a storm. You see, a lot of people will have that. I prayed, it didn't get fixed, so I'm mad at God. Our Bible never promises the storms will be will stop. It just promises we won't be alone. Look, we live in a real and broken world. 
And I believe the church still matters. And the mission of the church still matters. L1 and L2, if you've been here for any amount of time, you've heard that. Love God is law one. Love others is law two. These are our core values here at Central. We believe these are important. But there is some bad thinking about God out there. And it worries me. And I want you to hear my heart so badly. I never ever want to bash any other churches. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying there is some thinking out there that bleeds into our conversation. And we want to be people of the Word and know what it says. Some will tell you that you just didn't trust enough. Or some will tell you you just didn't give enough. Do we understand how wrong and ungodly and anti-godly those theologies are they are going against what god says people are going to look at you oh you're in a storm well you know what you need to pray harder you need to trust more it's all about what you do did you hear that or or you need to give more there is this concept out there it's got a term prosperity gospel that god wants you rich and happy and if you'll just give more you'll get more do you hear what it's based on it's based on you it's not based on him and this idea of name it and claim it if you want it you just name it you just get it you get whatever you want because it's all about you no that is not the gospel of jesus the gospel of jesus has always been based on what he did not what i did it is always based on what He has done. And if people are whispering in your, you need to work harder. Now, do we need to trust more? Absolutely. Anybody going to argue that? Okay. But if we put all of the monkey on our back, then it's just works-oriented religion. It's not grace. The gospel of Jesus is based on Him and Him alone. And friends, people see how you and I deal with storms. And it matters. Look at what the disciples said. Don't you care? The, I, I like playing with tone of voice in those kind of verses. Does that tone sound like a cry out to God or does that sound like a criticism? It sounds a little more critical, doesn't it? It sounds like, don't you care about us? I thought you were, I thought you were God. Have you ever been there? I guarantee I have. I've, some of my prayers have been more griping than crying out. And I'm not, I'm not yelling at anybody. Certainly not because look at what's going on here. It's, it's just funny to me. Look back in chapter 3 and 4 and look at what is going on on the day or days prior to this storm. In chapter 3, they have watched a man with a deformed hand be healed in front of them. Not read about it in a book. Not somebody read it to them in the newspaper. They watched it happen. They saw another man possessed with a demon throwing all kinds of fit, and Jesus cast it out right in front of them. And in the fourth chapter, he talks about mustard seed faith. And if you just had just a little bit of faith, even look down in chapter 4 and verse 11, he says, you've been given, the, you're, you're blessed to understand the secrets. I speak in parables to all these other people. You've got all of these answers. This is the, par- the, this is the disciples that are right with him. And they've heard all this and they've done all this. And then a storm happens and they panic. Does that make sense? They've had all of this happening and, and it threw them off. I had a guy a long time ago tell me, 
Do you realize you're going to be in more storms than you are calm? And I was just like, well, I don't like that at all. He's been right over and over and over again. You will be in more storms in your life than you will be calm. How do we react and how do we show to others? What kind of faith are we showing others? When our, when our world goes crazy, when everything's going awry, do they see you trusting or do they see you wringing your hands? Oh my goodness, oh ba- how bad is everything going to be? Hebrews chapter 12 verse 3 says, Don't grow weary and lose heart or give up. But I'm afraid sometimes we do. I love this picture. And I want you to watch the video intro really closely next time. You won't see it here. This is a still, but... Now go back to the one previous. Yeah, right there. When you when you watch the video next time, that flower is in the middle of a rainstorm and it starts to gain color. The color comes alive in the middle of the storm. Are we coming alive in the middle of the storm? Or are we getting buried in it? We see a world going bad out there and we long for the good old days when it was so much better. It never was better. It was never better back there. Never. There was never a utopia. There was never a, well, in my day. Well, in my day, we did dumb things too, okay? There there was lots of dumb things. It's a world going bad. I've heard Christians fretting and saying, well, if this doesn't get fixed, we're going to lose everything. Do we hear ourselves? Christians, do we hear ourselves? We're putting our trust in politics. We're putting our trust in economics. We're putting our trust in the wind and the waves. Not the one that created the wind and the waves. That is bigger than the wind and the waves. God is calling us to trust Him. And let other people see us trusting Him even when the waves are bad. Look, I don't like taxes either. And I don't like how things are going in our world either. But if we're all just fretting and worrying and oh my goodness... We're missing out on an opportunity to teach faith. Listen to the last words Jesus says to his, bro- to his pals right there. He says, do you still have no faith? How those words must have hurt him. To say that, do you still have no faith? He's, he's seeing that their fear is winning out. Friends, fear can over our pow- overpower our faith in one way and one way alone if we let it. That's it. That's the only way fear can make it bigger. Fear can overpower our faith in only one way if we focus on it. If we spend more time looking at the storm, then it will win. But if we keep our eyes and more time focused on the Savior, we can't lose. Listen, and hear my heart. Governments matter. Voting matters. Policies matter. But you know what will do more good in this community for our city, for our state, is Christians. People that love God living and walking in faith with, of a God that is bigger. That will do more good for our community than anything out there. I love this quote from Oswald Chambers. If you're going to be used by God, He will take you through a multitude of experiences that are not meant for you at all. They're meant to make you useful in His hands and to enable you to understand what transpires in other souls so that you will never be surprised at what you come across. 
He wrote that over 100 years ago, and it's still true. You don't have to be a golf fan to see what's about to happen on the screen. It is widely regarded as one of the greatest golf shots in the history of golf. Sunday, April the 10th, 2005, in Augusta, Georgia, if we could go ahead and run that clip right now. In Augusta, Georgia, on the 16th hole of the Masters, a guy named Tiger Woods, you may have heard of him, was playing, uh, and he has this shot. He lines it up. He, he lines it up not to the pin. Okay, don't send me emails about how bad a person he is. I want you to watch the shot, okay? And he doesn't aim at the pin. He aims about 20 feet left of the pin, and he sends this shot up here, and it rolls, and then it starts to break. And then it breaks, and this camera zooms in, and it zooms in a little closer, and the ball slows down, and you see the Nike logo, and you see the Nike logo, and you see the Nike logo, and then it falls in. And they go bananas, ah! and the Nike marketing department is crying. This is the best day ever. I mean, it just got all that logo right on there. They couldn't, they couldn't get that any better. It is widely regarded as one of the greatest shots in the history of golf. But what you may not know is what happened right prior to that. You see, Tiger was fighting off a guy named Chris DeMarco. I had to look him up. I didn't even know who he was. couldn't even remember who he was. Uh, he had a one-shot lead, and DeMarco on the 16th teed up. It was a par three, teed up, hit a gorgeous shot, landed. He's like 10 feet from the hole for birdie. He's about to tie this up. The pressure is on Tiger. Tiger steps up. His tee shot at 16, absolutely the worst one of the tournament, and he has said arguably one of the worst of his career. He shanked it. He overshot the green by about 30 yards. If you saw where he started, he was way off in the rough, like he'd been watching videos of me playing golf. It was terrible. It was the worst ever. That mess up, though, set up one of the greatest victories in history. Hear me now. Often, right before a really big thing God is going to do in your life, it might look like everything's out of control. It might look like everything is falling apart. Jesus warned us that following Him would be difficult. There were warning signs all through the Bible. He never once promised riches. Anybody that tells you anything different is selling something. He never promised pain-free comforts. God, now we're talking about this. If that be the case, how come all of His followers died as martyrs? And not just died, I mean tortured, horrible deaths. How come they never got rich? How come they never had great influence? He never promised that. He never even promised us everything in our country will be all right. You know what He did promise us? We would never be alone. The reason I'm harping on this, please hear me, I am not griping at anybody else. I'm wanting us to be people of His Word to know what it says, and to know what it doesn't say. When there is stuff that filters in, and we hear this stuff, even if it's a simple message from a kid that says, be patient, we need to listen and hear what God says, and be completely people of His Word. Because, friends, I'm telling you, those are words worth listening to. Would you pray with me? 
Father God, there have been too many times where I have listened to the storm, where I've seen the waves and I've seen all the turmoil and I've gotten too upset and I've taken my focus off of you. And I'm sure there are many in this room and some watching online that could echo that. So Father, as we sing, may we declare, yes, I will lift you high in the weakest parts of my life. Yes, I will in the storms praise you. I will praise you in the good times. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We will, we will declare in John 16 where he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've already overcome this world. So, Almighty God, may you take first priority in our life. May our eyes be totally focused on you. And may we declare your greatness. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.